Hello, and welcome to the Becoming Podcast. I am grateful you're here. I'm your host, Anne Fancy, and uh, I hope that we just continue to have conversations here that illuminate, that uplift us and remind us that we're not alone. And even more than that, we're not alone, that uh, we're better together, and that in telling our stories and our raw truth and sharing with one another, we can see that for each of us, the story may change here and there, but ultimately the path is that not that unique. I am grateful for you here today, and uh, it's just going to be a you and me again today. This weekend, this past weekend, I hosted my first retreat, which was full of all kinds of lessons. Um, but the lesson that really stood out to me, or a couple of the lessons, were um, so prominent and so clear that I just wanted to come on here while it's still somewhat fresh in my mind and talk about these reminders. I think the first reminder was that we need community. Like we so desperately need community. We need one another. We need to be with one another. We need to be seen by one another. And I mean like really seen. And there's something magical that happens when groups of women um, and just groups of people that are like-minded, but for this experience it was women, get together and show up ready to be vulnerable and to share and to commune with one another. I could not be more grateful for the women who did show up. And what it reminds me, you know, on the front end is that many of these people came alone. Some flew across the country on their own and decided to say yes to this experience because I think we crave these connections. And many of us, most of us, go throughout most of our days, if not weeks or months, without these deep, soulful connections and conversations. We simply get too busy. We don't have time to dig deep and connect. Or perhaps we're simply afraid of being that vulnerable and seen because we have this belief somewhere in there that we are inherently unworthy. And that lack of enoughness keeps us quiet It keeps us guarded. It keeps us disconnected. And so the most beautiful thing, first and foremost for me, besides the gorgeous views, were the gorgeous women who were ready to connect and ready to just show up. I mean, it's a really unique thing. So what came by the end of the retreat In the last few moments, uh, I had a couple conversations that last morning that centered around this idea of belonging. And really, the conversation centered around feeling as if, even after spending all these days together, that ultimately, they were the outlier, these two women I spoke to, they were the outlier, and they didn't belong. And I hear that. I get that feeling. To the first friend that brought that up, my first inquiry is, haven't you always felt that way? I think that some of us who have been seeking and are more sensitive and have always seen the world differently, we have always felt like we didn't belong. I have always felt other in many ways, and that is not a unique feeling for me. What I think makes my experience of that unique is that perhaps... I knew that and I've always known that in a deep and soulful way. And 
I always think of the story, I've probably told it on here before, where supposedly when I was in um, St. Paul's Co-op Nursery, it was Thanksgiving, and this is, you know, 1983, so political correctness was not around, and we were meant to be dressing up as Indians, we would now call those indigenous people, and we were supposed to bring in a grocery bag, a paper grocery bag, and my mother forgot mine, and so she ran home in a, you know, tizzy, I'm sure she had a hundred things to do in like the hour and a half that I was at school, and got me the bag, brought it back, and when she came to pick me up, I was the only child refusing to wear my paper bag vest and headdress, and they kept saying, I'm sorry, we tried to get it on her, she will not put it on, and what I had to say about the whole thing was, I am not an Indian, I'm Anne. And what I think that demonstrates for me is that even as a small child, though I don't remember this experience, I always felt really anchored in knowing who I was as, at a soul level. And once that had established, it was like I knew that this fit or this didn't fit, and I wasn't really going to pretend to be something else. Now, I'm not saying through the years I haven't had moments or, or phases in my life where I was trying to be different I, or trying to try on different roles or looks or whatever else. When I came out in my 20s, I absolutely decided that if you were going to be a lesbian, you should be sure to be a lesbian who had a shaved head and dressed butch. And I don't know, I just felt like that was what you did. So I did it. Shaved my head. I got a ton of cargo shorts. I wore boyish clothing. And Somehow, into my 20s, I realized that wasn't really me. I mean, I love a comfortable pair of athleisure or exercise pants, but ultimately, that look wasn't true to me. But I had to try it on. I wasn't sure. And what I think that maybe some of us who didn't have that opportunity or maybe didn't have as stable of an upbringing or for whatever reason, our personality is developed in a way, a lot of us have always tried to belong from an external point of view. Or maybe you were adopted, or maybe you had just a really unsettled childhood, and you always felt like the outlier, and you didn't have it within you to belong to yourself yet. And I think that's most of the population. The world very heavily tells us that we do not belong, we do not fit, and we are not okay. And in order to make us okay, we must do all these things. You must be the right weight, you must have the right haircut, you must have the right look, you must have the right husband or spouse, you must do all these things, you must have the right number of children, and on and on and on, in an effort to make sure that we stay unhappy. But what I realized by the end of this, this, this weekend after hearing this from a few friends, was the reminder from Brene Brown, who she is my one of my favorite teachers in the world, and the reminder that ultimately you have to belong to yourself. Now, I think for me, this is something that has been inherent. I've always known that, and I've always had some level of unapologetic nature around that. And I don't think I'm normal. <laughs> and I'm not saying that I don't still feel the pressure of the outside world. I for sure do. I had over a decade of struggle with body image because I equated body image and worth. That was absolutely an outside measure. But when it really came down to it and making choices about my life and what I wanted to do with my time and where I wanted to be and who I want to hang out with, 
I think that I've always really understood that I have to belong to myself. And we've all had those checks, those times where we didn't. And maybe you are living an entire life built on what the world your parents have told you to be. And you can recognize somewhere within you that you are deeply out of alignment, deeply out of congruence with your soul's intention of who you are. And this is a hard place to be in. I had a student last night come up to tell me about how she has literally made herself sick. IBS, anxiety, instability, because of a, a relationship that she feels is wrong and that wasn't the best choice for her. And I validated that. I mean, I my anxiety, I think in large part, was a guiding post, a guiding source for me in recognizing which direction to go. And in an inability because of my young age or lack of understanding and trying to make the world work for me, I didn't listen to it because I didn't, it was just scary and nobody gave me language around it and nobody told me that it was a sensitivity or that I could feel the world or that I could feel other people's emotions or that, I don't know, that there was even a purpose in any of this. So that anxiety um, became a problem for me for a lot of years. And I can now recognize in retrospect that that anxiety was the absolute worst when I was not listening to what I knew was highest and best for me. And I've said this before, and that fear, if I was able to really look in it, which I wasn't for most of my young adult life and childhood, if I was to really look at that fear, that fear was a gift teaching me about myself and how I was in or out of alignment. I remember when the kids in middle school used to like, you know, the click started in fifth and sixth grade. And I knew immediately in fifth grade that the ringleader was not my person and that I was not going to play those games to be in that inner circle. I could see right through it. And as that went on in sixth grade, I think I got myself a little bit caught up in it. But by seventh grade, I had found a best friend who I could be my weird self with and sort of rise above the typical trauma of middle school. I guess all of this is to say that we all need the reminder and the permission to figure out who the hell you are. What is within you that's guiding you? What feels incongruence and out of congruence? Because the problem is it goes back to this relationship over and over again between head versus heart. And the head says, this is what we need to do. This is what's logical. This is what you've been told. This is how other people do it. And the heart may be saying something entirely different. And it's that gap. I've talked about this before. It's that gap, that space in between that feels so uncomfortable. And that space in between living from our heart, who's trying desperately, our soul, whatever you want to call that, your gut, desperately to guide you. And then deciding that we shouldn't listen to that and start listening to our head. It's that space in between. It's that disconnect that becomes the void that we're constantly trying to fill. That's much of the problem. Think about the last time you went to a party or a social gathering or work thing or whatever, and you were uncomfortable going in the first place. And you 
played along, whether that was with a conversation that you didn't give a shit about. For me, it will always go back to the conversation about pillow cleavage. They didn't call it that. Apparently, high-quality pillows should have a knife line, and that is apparently something that people value. And I found myself on the outskirts of this conversation for about 20 seconds. And once I had like fully realized what the hell they were talking about, I am like, I am so out of here. <laughs> this is not in congruence with anything I care about. And this is why small talk is so impossible for me, because I can't very easily pretend to care. But on the occasion that we've stood by for those conversations, or you stood by when someone was speaking negatively about someone else, and you knew that that it didn't feel good, you didn't want to be a part of it, but you played along, because you felt like you didn't fit in, and it was what you needed to do to fit in, and, you know, to stay good in the eyes of the boss, or the in-laws, or so-and-so. And then you go home. And you find as many ways as you can to forget what just happened, right? You turn on the TV and you binge watch. You binge eat. You binge shop. You drink wine. You smoke weed. You do whatever you have to do to numb that feeling, that feeling of incongruence that's really uncomfortable. And ultimately, you're probably a little dissatisfied, upset, disappointed in yourself for not showing up more fully as you are. I think this is so, so common. I think you are so not alone in this. And we were talking this weekend, like, how do we change the world? Like, we can see all these problems. We can see all these measuring sticks and all this bullshit we don't want to play along with anymore. And we can see how busyness has become part of our culture and that fitting in has this like value system, but that none of it feels good and none of it is creating connection or meaning or depth in our life. None of it is propelling us forward except for the contemplation of it, right? What do we do to change the world? And the answer for me is really simple. As often as you can, in small ways and big ways, Start showing up as yourself without apology, without explanation. And you know what? People are going to be really unhappy about that because they expect you to be who you've always been. And they expect you to, to toe the company line. And they expect you to play along and to be snarky and to make jokes and to care about the things they care about. And when you start to, or you stop doing that and you start living in your truth a little bit more, what happens is that people are uncomfortable because they probably hold a similar truth and they don't want to look at it because all of that external stuff is just one more way to not pay attention to ourselves, to not pay attention to the deeper needs of connection and bravery and courage and path and flow and unearthing what's stuck and wounded and hurt. And so we left that weekend collectively decided we were going to be, you know, hashtag disappointers and really start to disappoint people by stepping more fully into exactly who we are. And know that as you do that, you are literally calling more light to yourself. We've talked about this too. But it's ultimately about belonging to yourself. And when you belong to yourself, you're going to find that you need to do less numbing, avoiding, escaping, playing along. And you deserve that. 
You deserve to be in your truth fully. One of the women this weekend, like, stepped so bravely into her truth, it gave the rest of us such inspiration. And there are, I promise you, the people that you can meet at that level of depth, that you can find that community you can create, even if it's one weekend a year and you find some soul sisters in there, we cheer each other on energetically across the way. And for me, it's always the misfits that I'm looking to connect with. It's always the people on the fringe that are more interesting and have more to say and are, have more depth and uh, are living in their truth. And as you live in your truth more and more, people who aren't are going to find it uncomfortable to be around you. You might get invited to less parties. You might find yourself in situations where you're no longer you know, on the dinner party list. And I really think that's okay. I, it might hurt a little. I'm speaking from experience. It hurts a little. But ultimately, I would rather be in the company of two or three women who really see me, who I can be fully my raw, messy self with, in the spaces that I can show up bravely and know that without apology, I can belong to me. I hope that you can at least explore these ideas. I hope that you can start to see in really small ways the moments that you feel contracted because you've made some, some concession, some compromise of yourself, and that you can start to find people that allow you to baby step into your truth a little bit more. You're not going to throw away everything at once. You're not going to undo every relationship you've ever had. It'll take time. And hopefully what you'll ultimately do is inspire people to do the same. Because if we can do that, this, these attitudes, those of us willing to really show up and be alive in our lives, that's how we change the world. By doing the thing that feels like such a rebellious act is ultimately the most important act each of us can make. I hope that this resonates with you. I hope that you are connecting to this. And I'd love to hear what you have to say about it. Or if you want to talk more or expand this conversation even more, I would love to hear from you. Thank you so much, as always, for listening. Please subscribe and share. If you want a book on this topic, check out um, Brene Brown's Braving the Wilderness. If you find as you're doing that that what you're really up against is some perfectionism and some challenges with that, I would recommend Gifts of Imperfection by, by Brene Brown. Both books are phenomenal. Join my Becoming community on Facebook, and we can chat in there and share. And I hope you're having a beautiful and delightful fall. Much love.